When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Well, it's good to see uh, Creighton Athletic Director Bruce Rasmussen taking to the old SEC scheduling model and having Bemidji State in tonight uh, for a basketball game. How did that game turn out, Honk? Well, they were down by about six at one point, but then I think they went on a 50-10 to 10 run, so good for the Blue Jays. <laughs> it must have started with the subs, I guess. I'm also with Boomer. I'd just like to put in a request for Husker basketball for those of us with uh, heart conditions or substance abuse problems. Can you please just go out and just clobber Illinois just to give us a break for one game? <laughs> Boomer, you've been uh, sniffing glue again? Well, I keep picking the wrong week to quit, so I try, <laughs> and they keep bringing me back. So. That's right. It's, it's very addictive, you know? What can you say? Uh, well, guys, uh, that is true. We are, are doing the podcast here right after the Huskers took down the Terrapins of Maryland in a, a tight one. Um, it wasn't exactly a pretty game, but it was a win nonetheless. Uh, sixth in a row for the Huskers, now 20-8 and eight overall, 11-4 and four in conference. And I believe uh, our own Honky was at the game. Can you give us a uh, in-person breakdown of what you saw there, buddy? Yeah, I was right down there in the student section actually tonight, uh, right behind the band. And uh, this is a team that we've talked about all, all season. There's This is a different type of Nebraska basketball team. And I think even... Even Dirk Schelling tonight, uh, old Dirk for the World Herald, he uh, wrote that this is a fun team to watch. And even compared to the NCAA team from four years ago, there's just so many more options and so much more depth and there's height. And and when we were playing against that number 23 tonight, that was big dude under under underneath. We were able to throw Doobie against him. And 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 just there's so many options and and Palmer can go out there and not score again for the first 25 points of the game just like he he did against Minnesota didn't score and yet we're still staying in the game and then Palmer starts getting hot and and there you go we we weren't great from the free throw shooting tonight and yet still stuck around and and, and won and so uh, Boomer I think you'd mentioned this or or retweeted it that uh, apparently you know we're not a tier one team but yet if Maryland could have beat us that would have been a tier one win for them yeah, definitely. That's the weird part about it. I, I think it was uh, Jack Mitchell noted that that uh, yeah, it would have been a quadrant one win for you know Maryland would have been to a... actually beat us at home. So right, we're a quadrant one team in a lot of respects. Now, can we translate that into actually getting in the tournaments? Well, let's just kind of hope so. That's that's all we can say. Yeah, tonight's yeah, game guess... yeah was was exciting. What I was able to see of it, I missed the first half. Was able to catch quite a bit of the second. Uh, yeah, again, just like Honky said, this was a different kind of Husker team. Last year's team probably would have folded at various times in this. They probably wouldn't have had an answer for the, you know, the bigger guys that Maryland had. 
And I, I look at the breakdown. Maryland had what, like forty points in the paint in this game. It was something pretty extensive. Yeah, they dominated down yeah, there. Fernando I, in particular had like twenty points by himself, and uh, he, he was a bear. Um, we again, if you want to find weaknesses in this team, uh, rebounding and uh, both both sides, really offensive defense rebounding is not a strong suit for this this team. We did get a rebound when we had to there uh, uh, late in the game with free free throws and whatnot, but um, yeah, it, it wasn't a uh, a pretty game in the sense that at times there were some defensive breakdowns uh, and we missed a lot of free throws in that game, which is not characteristic of this Husker team. It has been of other Husker teams, but right. not this year. Um, but there was we were leaving the door open quite a bit there, and Maryland just couldn't quite break through that door. And part of that is the the home court advantage, uh, honky and you know, 15,000 other fans uh, screaming there, but ultimately the team uh, found a way to win. And that I, I think what I, I, I took out of it was that it was the defensive stop there at the end where we ended up having a really great defensive series, and I think Watson was the one that got a hand on a three-point shot and just blocked it. Um, and that really kind of sealed the deal right there. And sometimes you got to win, you know, ugly, and that's the way to do it. So, Yeah, that, that especially, you know, with Watson kind of struggling – in the offensive side of the game, he was, what, 2 for 12, I think, from the floor overall? Yep, I mean, right. he really wasn't able to contribute a whole lot offensive-wise. But for him to still keep his head in the game and have that huge defensive stop and then, you know, some free throws late, I think he had too to kind of, you know, help put the game away. And that's a big difference. You know, we weren't great at the free throw line, but, you know, also looking at the stats again, we were able to, you know, get to the free throw line way more than Maryland. You know, for as many points in the paint as they had, they only attempted nine free throws an entire game. So, you know, what defense we were playing, at least we were fairly disciplined with it, not giving them, you know, too many, you know, three-point plays, you know, out of the, out of the points they had. So, mm-hmm. you I know, there's some positives there, even though there were some struggles, but, mm-hmm. you know. I think one of the things that's a little frustrating about as the season's going down is that we're so consumed with whether or not we're going to get to the NCAA tournament for all the right reasons as fans, obviously. But I think what's getting lost in this is historically how well we're doing just overall. Like, forget – RPIs and forget who we beat and who we haven't. We've won 20 games already. And Dave, I think you were saying this is the earliest that we've won 20 since the 1991 season. Is that correct? And just overall, 93, 92, That's correct. And just overall, we don't win 20 games a lot. So the fact that we've done it <laughs> no, already, we sure don't. No. You know, I, by all uh, means, I want us to get to the NCAA tournament and I'm and keep winning and and all that good stuff, but. But aside from that, even even without just take that talk away, this has been a really successful season up to this point, and and I do want people to, to at least recognize that it's we've had some tough losses earlier that that kind of put us in a tough spot right now. But still, we're twenty and eight in eleven and four, and that's pretty remarkable for Nebraska basketball. Yeah, that's the truth. I mean, I. It, so this is the first time under Tim Miles that we got twenty wins. Doc Sadler delivered one 20-win season, and that was due to a couple of NIT wins, I believe. Right, Boomer? Um, Correct, yes. And then Nee had multiple 20-win seasons, but uh, several of those actually occurred because of postseason victories. So he probably only got 20 wins in the regular season two or three times. Um, And so we're on pace here. um, If we won two or three more regular season games here, to really have the second-best regular season Ever almost, and that's yeah. that's something. 
if we are looking at other metrics, uh, which unfortunately the committee does, I'm looking at, uh, I think it's Ben Van Cat, V-A-N-K-A-T. If you look up Ben Van Cat in Nebraska basketball, you get this little... Sounds like a knockoff whiskey. Yeah, 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 exactly. He used to work for the World Herald, apparently, so those guys have been promoting him on Twitter, and uh, I'm he drinking has some an interesting right little, now. like... <laughs> right there, right there. There we go. Get the get He's the got ice an interesting going. last name. I don't know what to say, but anyway, so. uh, he has this Nebraska basketball NSA tournament odds meter essentially that he updates every sixty minutes. Apparently, it's hovering in the low thirties essentially, and you're looking at uh, NCA RPI at fifty three. Uh, Ken Palm is up to fifty two, uh, so you're, you have some improving uh, kind of data points there essentially. You still don't have any uh, Group One wins, uh, but we are four and two in Group Two, and then undefeated uh, against our lower tier competition. So um, it, it still isn't a, a slam dunk, but we're getting closer and closer to being more and more brackets. We're in nine out of 105 brackets that are posted online. Joe Lenardi's had us as, as a first four out for the last uh, several days. Is that right, uh, Boomer? Probably almost the last week. Yeah, I've been about the last week or so, yeah. So yeah. we're just kind of hovering in that first four out or the next four out in his brackets. So yeah. my sense, right there, yeah. My sense is that even though Maryland won't show up as a, a Tier 1 win, I think um, the Joe Lenardis of the world who are actually looking at this and it's not just using an RPI or some sort of statistical method to determine who makes the field um, it is probably going to put a little more stock in, in this win than some of our others. Uh, Maryland is a... Uh, a you know well-regarded program with a good coach and a lot of talent there. Uh, they're not having a great year, but they're not having a horrible year either. And even though maybe they're not a high RPI team, I still think a lot of people are going to think that's a, a win that Nebraska needed to have, and they ultimately got it. So we'll see if that maybe pushes us over the edge and, and lands in a bunch of extra brackets suddenly over the next couple of days. Maybe Leonardi pushes into a, uh, a first four in. Yeah, I'll tell you, that was a good team tonight, uh, Maryland. They're young. I mean, they don't mm-hmm. have – I think they had one senior. And so I think we're hitting them as they're hitting their stride and playing pretty well down the down the stretch. They had some some definitely some good players on that team. Um, our Twitter poll that we had from a week ago is basically to the question of how many teams are going to make it to the NCAA tournament from the Big Ten. And uh, it finished with 363 votes and – Pretty much, it was about 84% of the, the votes came in that it was either going to be four or five. Five was number one vote getter at 55%. So let's hope for that because this win tonight for Nebraska, I think it really helped solidify us at least as a number five. If you lost tonight, Maryland could have been that team that would have snuck in there and been that number five, and, and we needed to to protect that, that position. Now we still got to win these next three, but – I think the big number at the end of the day, all the RPIs and everything, the big number is going to be is how many get in from the Big Ten. If it's four, we've got to hope that we're number four. If it's five, I feel really confident that we're going to find our way in there. And that one... Yeah, if, if we if we are at the four seed and we are... We have to have some data points over mission a little bit head-to-head and uh, at least one, one extra victory in conference... Uh, you'd have to feel good if Michigan gets in that we're going to get in. Um, but y- you never know. I, I, I'll throw out the the reverse. I, I know this is not natural for any Nebraska basketball fan to 
actually think on the positive side. Uh, <laughs> That's possible. Hear me out here a little bit. It's foreign territory yeah, be, for us. Be, be, well, uh, tread lightly. I, I tell you, we, we are. Yeah. yeah, I'll go slow so you guys can understand what I'm trying to say. Um, so we are, we are a bubble team right now, and we've got a lot of work to do to, to get into the tournament. But let's go ahead and hypothetically say that we win our three final regular season games. We are 23-8, and 14-4 in conference. We are the four seed in the Big Ten tournament, which is a double bye. We don't play till Friday. Uh, three potential uh, games in the Big Ten. You then would have a, an opportunity to win some games in that Big Ten tournament. We're, on our head, oh, if we just get a 23 and eight, we'll get in. I don't care if we lose in the in the uh, conference tournament or not. Well, let's think of the hey, this team is about as hot as you could possibly get at that point. Let's go ahead and say they make the run through the Big Ten tournament and they win three more games. Suddenly, you have three quality wins on your resume you no longer are just 23 and 8 in 0 and 6 versus the group 1 rpi you are 3 and 6 against the group 1 rpi with three quality wins beating the likes of um you know a, a michigan neutral site a ohio state and a michigan state i don't know whatever where is nebraska seated in the tournament at that point dave you sure you haven't been sniffing glue tonight i mean is this <laughs> we can Wow. Because I mean, I'll, I'll pause right there. You're right. It's it's, it's yeah. like wow. How how would that happen? But if we're talking about this team being able to deserve to be in the NCAA tournament as an at-large bid, the committee thinks to themselves: Can this team win a game in the NCAA tournament? They want to select teams that they think can win in the tournament if it's going to be an at-large bid. And so, if we don't think we can win a game in New York, why should the committee think we're going to win a game in New York? Right, and if we can win one, why not uh, win two and three? Right. right. Uh, I'm not saying it's possible or likely or anything like that, but that's the opposite uh, side of this whole story. Is this team could could do that? I think they have the capability of beating some of those top tier teams. And maybe it's maybe you know you have a weird bracket scenario where Michigan State or Purdue loses early, and and you. You know, just have Ohio State, Michigan, and and um, you know Northwestern or something. Penn State I don't know again what the or something. Is. Right, exactly. You know, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, so maybe you only get two, but you you're the conference champion, right? I mean, where do you get seated if you have three quality wins out of it? Let's take that premise. Uh, a week ago, we were I don't know what exactly our ranking would have been in the AP poll, but we had four votes. This week we come out, and we have fifteen mm-hmm. votes, so we we gained eleven, and we ended up being about number thirty four in the country. Obviously, win the next three games under your under your uh, kind of proposal there or, or hypothesis. We're going to have another two AP, AP votes come out. So we win tonight. We win on Sunday at Illinois. Next week we come out, and now we're, we have 20 votes, and we're ranked 29th in the country. And maybe, maybe by the, the next vote, maybe we're even sniffing number 25 in the country. That's prior right. to getting to New York. If you went to New York, if you won those three games and you beat kind of the teams in that order that you talked about, Dave, I could see us at that point, my gosh, we have about a 12-win streak going at that time or so. Um, We'd be, what did you say, 26-8. and We would be the the equivalent of like 17-4 and in conference, essentially, at that point. We could be a a four or five seed. 
Yeah, I think that's where they top out. But I would think so. Yeah, that's probably realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a big difference from being a thirteen or you know, an eleven seed play-in that is the potential that right, we talked exactly. about. So honestly, if we want to avoid that play-in, no matter what, we end up in the regular season winning at least one game in that tournament would go a long ways to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, absolutely, big difference. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, it's, they're, they're, I mean, the way they're, they they seem to find a way to win games, even when they're not playing that well. Um, I, I would like to think that if we think they're good enough to make the NCAA tournament, they can make some noise in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. Why not? It's possible. Absolutely. Why not? Believe, Husker Nation. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Mac, Mac is so ecstatic about Nebraska basketball at this point, he couldn't even stand being on the show tonight. Well, he's too excited. Well, he, he just can't get off the bandwagon. He didn't have time to jump off yeah. yet, so it's still. Uh, yeah. He went to the Rutgers game. He's yeah. too excited still. So. Went to the. He is committed. I'm sure he's got like a basketball on his head now, <laughs> and a whole nine yards. Referee's jersey. Uh, all right, guys. Anything else on uh, Nebraska ball? Not for me. Just keep. All right. Well, yeah. Just keep going. Keep winning. Scarlet colored glasses. All right, guys, next on the Go Big Redcast, let's talk a little football with scarlet-colored glasses. And, uh, Honky, let's uh, lead off with a Twitter poll. What, what do we got going on this week? What do we ask our fans? Yeah, this is actually, Dave, a follow-up from one that we did about a week ago, and we didn't get to on last week's show with all the recruiting going on. But it has actually something to do with recruiting, but on the front end, and that is uh, with Nebraska high school spring ball or not. And so we asked this question a couple weeks ago, and now here we actually have the final results. We had 596 votes, so that's a good response here. And it was whether or not should uh, the state of Nebraska allow spring football practice like a number of other states do. And we offered three different options of no. One of them was no, let kids be kids. No, um, it will hurt the other sports. And no, just another chance for injuries. And then the last one was yes. And 60% of uh, the respondents said said yes, that we should have uh, spring football. Only 3% said no to the injuries, and then we had 23% saying no, it would hurt other sports, and 14% said no, let kids be kids. Um, I look at it simply from a a development standpoint, is that are we hurting in-state recruiting? Let's call it the brand of of in-states, in-state kids. Are we hurting the brand by having kids that – they're talented kids in this state. We all know that, but they just – by the time they get to – the recruiting level they just haven't played as much football you know and when I look at some of the no's here I think of like let the kids be kids and I'm like yeah I, I agree with that until I think of every other sport that has kids going year round as as early as sixth grade it seems like um, when I think about Absolutely. no it hurts the other sports that's a legitimate concern I think especially at the at the smaller school levels the class C's and even B's but at class A I think it could work where kids are a lot more specialized um, the injuries, again, only 3% said no on the injuries. But that is that is a legitimate thing. And I think, Boomer, you really kind of hit on that when we talked about this the first time. I, the, you would have to figure out a way to kind of limit maybe how much contact and all that would go on during it. But I just know that our sure. coaches go down to Texas. They go down to California and Florida and stuff, and, and they'll hit on that in the springtime. They'll go to spring practices, and that's a lot of times when you'll see guys getting offers. Um, Patrick Witt, I remember him being the QB. He was at Georgia, and he and he's at a predominantly right. running team. 
transfers over to I think it was the the Dallas Metro, Dave, and I think you were living out there at the time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He, yep. he goes right. out there to a, a high school, and he he hasn't even played a game. He's just in spring ball practicing with this one school, and that's when a bunch of schools came in and started giving him offers. And so, if Nebraska had that option at the Class A level, let's say, what would that potentially do to our recruiting? Would it just you know would it bump us from five to six kids a, a year to would we get 10 or 15 kids a year that routinely were getting offers at that power five level? I don't know. That, that's interesting. It's a good question. And I, I think it's interesting to think about how that, um, yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's a legitimate concern about the uh, other sports, uh, I guess, to some degree, uh, but obviously the other states are, are doing just fine with, with football having that greater emphasis in, in spring. I wonder if if you would compare our Nebraska high schools today and what type of offenses they run compared to what they ran when Osborne had been running the the eye for, you know, two decades and how much similarities or, or influence having that type of offense at Nebraska influenced Nebraska coaching staffs at the high school mm-hmm. level to run similar offenses and how far that's drifted apart in the last two decades. Honky, any idea I, on that? I think we'll find out a lot more about that, even with the coaches clinic that we'll go to, is that to absolutely to your point, basketball, or sorry, not basketball, just sports in general in, in this state, they tend to funnel down from the state university down to the high school level. You see it in volleyball. Why, why are we such a volleyball Absolutely. powerhouse at the high school level? Um, basketball, go back to the 90s under Danny Nee when we were running a very specific style of offense up and down the court, and then you think of those Nebraska Bison teams that we used to have, those All-American you know, teams that were playing in the summertime, and they would go to Vegas and then to those tournaments, and they would beat the, the best schools or the best teams that came together from California and Texas and so on. So – you know, I, I think that, that there's some truth there. And in football, definitely we've talked about the style that we're going to be playing, I think can funnel down a lot easier to the high school level in Nebraska than, than a, a pro style can. So there's you have that. One of the things that, that – I, I think that's intriguing. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. Go ahead. Well, and one of the things that to hit on with this is that, you know, this isn't just that um, – it's not just that California and Florida and Texas, the big states, are doing spring ball. Connecticut was like an you know they have an option there and so that that's just one of those other states and I I don't know if you looked it up Dave but what's going on in Colorado but if if Connecticut can at least give an option to to schools you know I'd like to think that Nebraska could at least do that not forcing anyone to but is that is there a potential to allow schools especially at the class A level to be able to do it I don't know it just I think it could make some sense to to look into and Boomer what what are your thoughts on it yeah, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, I, I swing the other way on this. Um, my understanding, you know, I, I'm not sure how many states absolutely run, you know, spring ball. You know, I think last time I looked, it was about 16 or so. And most of them are the, you know, traditional, you know, state powers of football. You know, the Texas, the Georgias, the Floridas, Alabama does. And then you've got, uh, you know, states like Connecticut and I think Vermont, like, allows, you know, spring football. And I'm, I'm not sure if it's really helping their recruiting footprint, you know, things like that, or, or the, the quality of their players to an extensive degree. And states like Ohio and Pennsylvania, as far as I know, don't have spring football, and they seem to be able to, you know, turn out a decent amount of recruits there. I mean, they are available. And I think 
we touched on this last, you know, the last time we talked about it, and I think all the three no choices he offered in the poll, I think, are all very legitimate concerns that you need to have with football. You know, we do you need to let kids be kids? I think we kind of lose sight of that sometimes here. And you'd mentioned, you know, the people that, yeah, all the other sports, even in like sixth grade, all of a sudden you're in club volleyball or club basketball all year round, and well. I'm not a big fan of that either, and I know, you know, Mac last time around, he was even, you know, railing against that as well. He's kind of opposed to that whole mentality. You've got to let kids have a chance to try all these different things. Just because they like it in sixth grade doesn't necessarily mean they're going to like it when they're a sophomore or, you know, maybe they'll find they were a better fit for a different sport as they kind of grow up. I mean, these kids are still growing in junior high and high school. There's a lot of time to develop, to develop differently. You know, heck, maybe you're going to be better suited to a different sport by the time you're a senior than you were, you know, finishing junior high or in middle school and I think there's also a risk where I think it's been touched on in certain articles before where if we're just having these kids constantly doing the same basic sport year round that that actually can hurt them you know it can lead to more injuries because you're constantly doing the constant repetitions of the same things you're not using different muscles different developments you know having them grow in different ways what different sports would provide and that can actually be detrimental to them in the long term. And football, I think, is really susceptible to that as well with the concern about concussions. We touched on that last last time, too. You know, I, there's been pushes in states lately to limit the amount of you know full-contact practice in various states just because of concern about concussions and concerns about parents letting kids play the sport at all. You know, and that's not just football. I've even seen you know calls for reducing the amount of uh, headers that are allowed in soccer or even eliminating that altogether. I think we're just going to, you know, all of a sudden throw spring football into this. You're going to even get more concern from parents saying, okay, we don't want our kid, you know, getting hit in the head for, you know, half the year. Sure. In high school, you're going to totally lose these kids altogether. I think that is a big concern, a big risk. You know, for what I think is probably a very limited reward, I think, for most people involved in it, for, for players and for Nebraska in general, I don't sure, think. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, what's the, what's the real reward? I mean, maybe one Nebraska player moves up half a star or something. I mean, if it's that close of or fine of a line that you know, well, I, two well, weeks I of spring I, yeah, ball is going to be the difference. We, you know, we should be aware of that anyway. I, would I think. Will, I, I, yeah, I'm I don't know sure if it's really a, a recruiting thing. I suppose they might have more exposure to to other programs, but it, I mean, it might be more about a development uh, pipeline to Nebraska, right? I mean. Uh, and, and a lot of these spring balls, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, Texas, for example, the seven-on-seven culture there is, is immense. I mean, they're not playing contact football the whole time. A lot of that is non-contact drills, which there's a whole other conversation on whether the, that's valuable or not. I'm sure Honky right. could yeah. jump in on, on how much he likes or dislikes seven-on-seven stuff. But uh, so, I, I, I mean, there's different ways to do this where you don't have to actually be increasing um, the wrist to head injury. But I, I think your points are very yeah. valued there, Boomer. I mean, it, the the culture is changing immensely on how that's done. So I have uh, had a buddy that's, he's coached for about 20 years out in California. Now he just moved out, and now he's coaching in Virginia. But it, California, that's where seven-on-seven seven is as big as you'll find it, and his, his thoughts on it are about what mine are. Um, but, Boomer, to your point about kind of the, the recruiting piece of it, um, Probably the biggest difference that's going to help Nebraska recruit Nebraska kids now or, or getting Nebraska kids, you know, more exposure is probably at the end of the day doesn't have anything to do with spring ball. It probably has to do with Nebraska recruiting Nebraska. That's the thing that builds yeah. up the brand. If Nebraska is going after its in-state kids, if it's going after the, the Snodgrasses and the Garrett Nelsons, and, and so I'm not just saying a, a Frost thing. Those guys obviously got offers from Riley. 
But if we're going after and we're we're finding more of our own guys, it's probably not as big of a of an issue. But if we weren't, and this is what's happened in the past, when we weren't, it really became tough for kids. Like they had to go out of their way to find to get noticed and recognized. So a Cameron Jurgens from Beatrice would have to basically drive all the way out to St. Louis to go to a rivals camp to to finally even start to get recognized on top of that's the, the closest they they had a camp correct to, right and so a lot of times this is it's almost as much about exposure and just getting more reps being more prepared when you get to the college level so that it's not that we don't want Nebraska kids to be known as the ones that that uh, they're not as ready to, to they're not as college ready because they haven't been playing as much and so even though there's only 18 or so states that are doing it right now they also are all the, are the states where probably 90% of kids are coming from so you know again i don't have an exact number for you if nebraska averages 5 to 7 kids a a year that are going some kind of power 5 school you know, is it worth it if it jumps to 10 to 15? I don't know. And if it does jump to 10 to 15, I'd like to think it's it's almost not even going to be because of this. I think it's going to be because Nebraska now is starting to be the school to really go out and identify kids, and we're going to grab them anyways. I'd like to see Nebraska every year sure, get, get sure. the five. You know, I said that a year ago. I'd love to see five a year kind of as a just a good average be in-state kids that Nebraska is going after. So. Yeah. Yeah, regardless of the spring ball thing, I guess what I would want to add to this before we wrap up is is I'm intrigued with the idea that uh, Nebraska high school football coaches can can take the Scott Frost offense and start utilizing that at the high school level, and that could immediately result in more impactful walk-on players and scholarship players from Nebraska high school ranks just because of that transferability um, and I think that mm-hmm. that could be something that it's, he talks a lot about unity of purpose right and that that even goes outside the walls of memorial stadium in some ways right yep. over time over the next five or ten years if this program has success and it, it's, it's nebraska high school football starts to actually replicate those type of offensive schemes that can actually add to our success as well and we're all rowing the boat in the same direction Abs- right? so absolutely that's just intriguing we just got a call from PJ Flick about a trademark infringement there, Dave. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's watch out for that. Well, at least he's listening. That's, That's good true. to know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you know, well, we're offering him a nice sweater vest. So. Yeah, we're talking well, about uh, you know, you know. Oh, go ahead, Honk. By the way. Well, I was I was just going to say. I mean, as regards to to recruiting, uh, it looks like Tennessee Director of Player Personnel Bob Welton. Uh, this is kind of breaking news for us tonight by the time people will be hearing it tomorrow it, w- it won't be but uh, it sounds like bob welton is going to be leaving tennessee to come to nebraska in some kind of role um what that looks like yet uh, some kind of recruiting role we're not sure yet but uh, we do know that james rogers has left nebraska he's gone back to to oregon state and so he was in some kind of player personnel role sounds like this will be something similar with probably a few more duties uh, to it. So what does Bob Welton do at Tennessee right he's now? He's the director of player personnel, and he's been there through okay. I think a couple of coaching, or at least, well, he was there at least through the, the Jones, Butch Jones uh, years. Uh, so, and one of the things that I guess he wanted to work with Frost if an opportunity arose, so an opportunity has arose. This is a hire from Frost, and other than Matt Davison, this is kind of the second time that Frost has made a hire that we know of at this point that's outside of the UCF tree. Interesting. So we don't really know what he's going to be doing, um, but it's a something uh, 
player personnel recruiting type role. It could be a recruiting uh, coordinator type position, something like that, right? Where is he from? Uh, I mean, he's not, is he not from Tennessee? Is he from, the, like, the Big Ten footprint or something like that? Yeah, he's originally, I think he was born in Ohio and grew up in Michigan. I believe attended uh, high school and a uh, small college there. I can't remember which college at the top of my head. But had some connections to Eastern Michigan and I think uh, yeah, a few other uh, smaller schools there. So he well, does have an And I think he was a scout for the Browns for about a decade or so. So that's a good omen. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think as long as he has well, you know. a job description that's a little more clear than what Billy Devaney was doing here, I think we're in great shape. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not so much for him. Maybe it was all right. Not, you know, have that undescript job. Billy Devaney definition. may still be in the office. He just <laughs> never know. He knew he got fired, right? I mean, he might just be walking around. Well, no one wanted to take the risk to fire him. No one knew what he did. He could have been the linchpin that held the entire athletic department together. So he couldn't. Really. Just, he has a stapler and he doesn't want to get rid of it. I think he's the Milton no. of uh, Nebraska football. That's right. Um, it's right. been an interesting day, I guess, for Tennessee football because uh, it started earlier today with them announcing that their running backs coach had, had left. And I tweeted something out this morning about that with recruiting. And, and it was you know just one more reason out there to, for all the high school kids, don't commit to a coach. Make sure you're committing to the school and that the school and the, the place that you want to live at for the next four to five years is going, is going to be the place you want to be at because coaches come and go. So any – Tennessee player that committed to this assistant coach six days ago, <laughs> it, it, he didn't even last a week. So the, the the ink is barely dried on your papers, and and uh, and your guy's already gone. So commit to the school whenever possible because these coaches will come and go. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll see more of that even here in the next few weeks. Uh, that happens uh, on a routine basis. So, yeah. Um, Hopefully the Nebraska coaching staff has some stability for the first time in years over the next uh, a couple of years, and we don't have to go through four DB coaches. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, you know, talking about college football in general, uh, maybe we can talk a little bit on uh, Sweep Left, right? Sweep Left. I had some uh, news articles out there about college football attendance in general and how it is uh, kind of plummeting. And the Big Ten actually bucked that trend a little bit, right, Boomer? Uh, we actually were like 0.01% up by like, you know, 74 people per game or something like that. But everybody yeah, it wasn't up a lot, that's for was sure. Was down. Yeah. Well, yeah, you have the numbers in front of you there? Uh, yeah, we had a – the difference from 2016 to 2017 was 76 people attending the average Big Ten game. So not a lot. So, yeah, 0.01%. But every other uh, every other Power 5 conference had, had a drop. So – and some fairly extensive. Yeah, there were some pretty good drops for the ACC and the SEC, oddly enough. What was the overall percentage drop? Uh, overall percentage drop. Let me pull that up here if I just had it. Uh, somewhere around here. I can get you an overall drop here in a few seconds. Yeah, yeah, so, honky. Yeah. I mean, well, what, do you, what do you think is, I mean, maybe some things are pretty obvious here, but I'll go ahead and answer the question. What's causing the drop in attendance in college football? Well, I mean, I, I think you have obviously with more games being on TV and and uh, and the prices going up. I think in the article that we read, they were trying to put some blame on on the the younger millennial population not looking at going to football games as being as much a part of the student right. uh, uh, environment or the student experiences. Maybe what we would have thought of it in our in our day, I guess. Um, and then there's some schools, uh, they mentioned Kentucky, Arizona State, North Carolina, I think was one of them, where there are schools that are de- decreasing the 
the size of their stadium. So that's that's kind of the route that they're taking. Um, I think one of the things Boomer would talk about, and, and I'll give him a chance here, is give them something good to watch. And right now, scheduling-wise, yep. Nebraska is not even to our own fault. The, the Big Ten has set us up to where one year it's really worth buying season tickets so you can watch Ohio State and Wisconsin and Iowa and all that. And then you have next season where we're scheduled to play at Wisconsin, at Iowa, at Northwestern, at Michigan, at Ohio State. That's not exactly – doesn't give you the greatest home schedule. And so um, – and if you look at the SEC, my gosh, they're – you know, playing Mercer in the in the the middle of the November. So there's a yep, there's a right. piece of that, an element of that too, uh, that goes with it. But prices are going up, and and uh, a lot of things you get a lot of options. To watch them on TV now too. Yeah, that's right. Producer, producer Skip mentioned uh, today our our text about the length of the games too, though, right? I mean, I mean, steel one games go on forever, right? And I think that's an impact. And start too. start yeah. at eleven a.m. sometimes. And uh, yeah, yeah well, or in the Pac-12 situation, they start so oh, late. Yeah. I mean, it's like crazy. Yeah, so the TV has yeah. hurt it a bit too because the TV has forced games to be at times that aren't traditional times. So we get to play a Friday yeah. night game in in Champaign, Illinois. I'm sure that was just a you know a sellout. And and then in the MAC, you're playing on a Wednesday night, and then we're playing at 11 a.m. And then to your point, Dave, you're playing at at 10 p.m. Like we did that time at Fresno. And that's all to accommodate TV. And so you can only accommodate TV so much without it eventually at some point affecting probably the, the what's going on in the stands. And that even feeds over into the bowl games because we looked at that. The bowl game numbers have gone down as well. And we're kind of like, well, duh. I mean, there's I think we looked up there's there's 35 bowl games in 2010, and now there's 40. Yeah. They've increased five. So the Popeyes by Bahama Bowl is not packing in <laughs> – uh, huge crowds. Uh, the they're packing in the yeah. They're packing uh, in the stadium. Yeah, the stadium's like fifteen thousand, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Skip said mm-hmm. the average length of a Division One football game right now is three and a half hours. Uh, Division Two is two hours and forty eight minutes. Division Three is two hours and forty minutes. So if you think about that, you're basically sitting around for almost forty five minutes in an average Division One game where there's not yeah. actually a game going on. It's a yeah, commercial break right. or a timeout or review. You know reviews for this or that or the other thing that does kind of drag after a while there's only so many times you can watch a pepsi bottle fly around a stadium or (laughs) you know listen to some dorothy lynch advertisement before you just okay i've tuned all this out and you know why wouldn't i just want to stay at home and flip to a different game on tv during this that's a big challenge it's it's hard it it is a it is a challenge but i'll tell you what boomer isn't that all the more impressive with nebraska that We've continued well, yeah, to sell is. things and, out. But, you know, you have a spring game Like you said, though, it's the frost effect. That that's the, why. Yeah. That's why no I one. I was going to ask. Let's just say frost didn't happen, and we ended up keeping Riley because he managed to sneak in two more wins or something. And you're setting up for this kind of schedule this year. How that's excited are people going to be for boomer. the home slate this year? Probably not very. You'd, you'd comment on the quality of the games at home. Well, of, co- of yeah. course. It's hard to want to get excited to, get, to buy home games, especially when you look at the way most teams schedule nowadays. You, you, you mentioned this already. Non-conference games, it seems like the big push is you schedule two patsies at home and then let's have some big non-conference opponent and we'll play it at a neutral site in an NFL stadium hundreds of miles away from your campus. and. People are wondering, why aren't students going to our games anymore? Well, why the yeah, hell would they? Who wants to go watch this stuff at home? You're, you're pricing your future fan base out of the games. So how are you expecting to develop anybody? God, we're seeing almost seeing that now with the spring game because they you know gave tickets away to the yep. season ticket holders, and they 
basically half of them are selling them on the you know open ticket market for what i can tell I mean, you're you're pricing your future out maybe it's just a short you know maybe they see something we don't and let's take all the profits now in the short term before tv contracts implode in five years or something <laughs> this all comes crashing down maybe they know more than we do but Boomer in the you're not bubble. setting yourself up for long-term success here i don't think and maybe we're just sure. on crazy pills but you'd think they'd see some of this i don't know I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I think the uh, yeah the frost effect. Uh, you know, StubHub Stub tickets are being uh, at least listed for seven hundred dollars. And there was an interesting tweet where like actual like general public season tickets for every other Big Ten West school is like four hundred fifteen dollars on down. Right? Yeah. I mean, you can you can buy all the games to Illinois you want for like 200 and some bucks. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even Wisconsin was only like three or $400. I mean, yeah. it's just, you could have an entire season slate there. Yeah. I don't want, you, I could don't buy that. That. you could just, you could buy Wisconsin season tickets just so you can go see Nebraska play. <laughs> Why wouldn't you do that rather than go to the spring? Game I don't want to, I don't want to overblow the, the, the frost effect because it, it is what it is for one year. It, what's right. more important with Nebraska football is that it has withstood Callahan. It has withstood embarrassments of Pelini. It has withstood Riley. That it has sold out. And I know people can sit there and say, oh, well, that one game wouldn't have sold out. They didn't give these tickets. I don't care. For 50 years, that place has sold out that that stadium. The, the tickets at least have been purchased. And the frost effect, you know what the frost effect needs to be more important than anything is win some football games. If we can win football games and be be even remotely close to the football team that that we experienced growing up, I, I'm really confident that we will have that stadium legitimately packed week in and week out. And yes, by all means, let's let's we can also focus on the fact that you know in terms of next season, even though we don't play those all those teams I mentioned on the road, we do have Michigan State coming here, we do have Colorado coming here, and those other games just win them win them and if you're playing good football if you're playing if there's some local kids that are also getting on the field that are recognizable names and all that you know that that's kind of the that was the the old nebraska pattern right you used to see you know the signs that came in that were you know north bend for for nebraska and you know ord for nebraska and they'd be rooting for their one kid that's on the team and you know 1100 people would show up and so those are the things I, i think it's impressive that nebraska to me is a little bit of an outlier to this article um, and and legitimately is I mean we've, we've been a growing yes. stadium. We're fifteen thousand more seats than we were basically about eleven twelve years ago. We were about a seventy five thousand seat stadium. Now we're ninety thousand, and we've talked about this before. People are like, well, why you know why did our what's happened to our backlog of ticket owners? Well, they have tickets now. That's what's happened. We don't have <laughs> a backlog right. anymore because we right. we built the stadium yep. up. So yeah, all right, all right, all right. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, anything else on football, guys? That's all I got there. Around the Van Horn. All right, next on the Go Big Redcast is Around the Van Horn. It's our first baseball segment of the year. Uh, The Huskers are kicking off the season here this Friday down in Arizona at the Husker Classic. Um, Yes, it is in Arizona, and it's called the Husker Classic. And uh, they play UC Riverside in Washington State, I believe, this opening weekend. Uh you know, the, I, I think this team has uh, a lot of potential because we have some key returning uh, starters like Luis Alvarado, who uh, will be starting uh, this year and has a lot of potential there uh, to be a, a Friday night starter with a lot of heat. 
and hopefully we see Scott Shriver and a few others uh, really have some of their best seasons. Um, guys, uh, w- what are your initial thoughts here on Husker baseball? This is a program that's been to the NCAA tournament three out of the last four years. We're starting to, to grow accustomed to that, but it's usually kind of touch and go, and I don't think we're uh, currently slated uh, by some of the preseason uh, prognosticators to, to make the tourney. What are your initial thoughts on Husker baseball? Boomer? Well, uh, just kind of looking at it, yeah, just uh, looking at uh, Husker baseball, you know, we do have some good pieces coming back. Uh, you know, there are some things, you know, uh, Lundsman, you know, being out for surgery certainly doesn't help. But Yeah, that we lost him for Tommy John yeah. surgery, right? And he would have been another Which is starter, frustrating. Yeah, that mm-hmm. would have been nice to have him back, so there is, you know, there is that downside to it. But we've got some pieces back. I think we'll be in good shape. The Big Ten is really – I'm not going to say it's winnable for us, but it is a conference where we can make quite a bit of noise in it. It's really a conference of about six teams, and then everyone else is just kind of scrubs. I mean, really only about – I mean, <laughs> really only about – It has gotten better. It has, but better. let's – I mean, I don't want to say it's probably about six teams that have a legit chance to do anything of consequence in it, and the rest are just placeholders. They might as well be Wisconsin, you know, for a lot of them. <laughs> so, you know, there, there is potential there, I, you know. And uh, actually, surprisingly, as much uh, as I make fun of the Big Ten for, uh, you know, scheduling in every other avenue of the sport, or any sport for that matter, we actually do get quite a few breaks as far as the Big Ten conference schedule goes this year. Uh, when, when I talk about most of those, uh, those top six teams, you know, the, the Nebraska's, the Indiana's, Minnesota, uh, Maryland's, we actually get all those games at home this year which is surprising. We we play pretty much all of them, and we get them all at home, including Iowa. There would be another team I'd consider. It is a pretty good home slate. Yeah, it really is. Correct. If you like, if you like Big it. Ten baseball, you're going to get to see all the mm-hmm. what should be the best teams in the conference, and we're going to get them all at home. So we do have a good chance to actually show what we can yeah. do and take a lot of these teams down, I think, if, if we're going to take a good step as a team and make that NCAA tournament, which most people honestly aren't predicting us to do. I think, uh, you know, on paper, it's either going to be Indiana or Maryland, I think, are the favorites for the Big Ten. I don't think that's going to surprise anybody. And, you know, you've got Nebraska, Minnesota, and even Iowa kind of, you know, hanging around there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michigan. Try to make some noise. Michigan yeah, Michigan might make a little noise, too. Yeah. I don't think we play Michigan this year, do we? If no, I remember correctly, not. I don't think we get them. So we're just kind of off on our own with that. You're never quite sure how we can't play everybody in the conference in baseball, but good job, Big Ten. Thanks. We, we, it, we only play 24 regular season games. Yeah, it's hard to fit all that in. Yeah. Yeah. SEC actually plays 30, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So uh, we, we could be playing more now. I think I think their reasoning is is that actually would, especially five years ago when the Big Ten baseball was really bad, you just you know, kind of – and I drug her through the mud there, but it's actually a lot better than what it was. Yeah, it's better than ago. what it was. I don't think it would hurt us to play something. And the reasoning the of not yeah. having so many, uh, you know, conference games was is that that wasn't actually good for you. You're better off going out and try to schedule non-conference, right? Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, but, you know, playing Oral Roberts actually was better for you than playing. Well, you know, and Nebraska's had yeah, absolutely. And Nebraska with having Hawk Fields and Hawks Field and everything, we've been able to attract bigger opponents to come here and play that some of the other Big Ten schools haven't been able to. So we we get that benefit of being able to to schedule stronger. Or, Dave, to your point, we can have a Husker Invitational in Arizona. So all those things come to help. Yeah, it's a – 
whole different world there with the support Nebraska baseball experiences compared to the rest of the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I know I've gone off on this before, but we're a top top ten, you know, sometimes a top five attendance in college baseball, and it's not even close, yeah. right? I mean, Indiana has somewhere close to maybe two thousand on average, and most are averaging around a thousand, and we average five thousand. So it's just it's just a yeah. different story. So I will say from last year to now i mean we won the big 10 last year i see nothing that that tells me that we can't i know on paper it looks like indiana and maryland i don't i'm not buying into any of that right now i think i hear i think there. you know yeah. we absolutely can win the big 10 and um and so to me this isn't about whether or not we make the the postseason we've got to make the postseason this year that's a, to me that's a that's a prerequisite coming off of the season we had a year ago the bigger question is it's been since 2008 since we've hosted a regional and this is the kind of year where to take that step as a program we need to win some games early we've gotten kind of behind the the eight ball a number of these last few years and it's and it's because you know to Erstad's credit he he schedules hard we play some really tough teams early on last year i think we lost one of those times at Oregon State 1 to 0 so we got to win that game 1 to 0 this year. We've got yep, to win right. a couple of those early games so we're not so far behind and by the time the end of March comes around the discussion should already be in place that this team is capable of hosting a regional. It has to start that early. It can't be a thing where we have to go, you know, you have to win 14 of your next 15 games. We can't be in that kind of position like we've had to be in some of the last years. Cuz in general, we I think we do have a favorable schedule in conference. Uh, we have some of the best teams coming here. I hope, you know, Redcast Nation, get out there, get to these games when we're hosting those weekend series. And and I think that we can win a lot of Big Ten games this year. But to your guys' point, if the Big yeah, Ten isn't viewed point. very strong, it's all the more important that we win those games before we ever get into the conference play. I think there's an opportunity this year, to your point, Honky, that wasn't there in previous years. It's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario here in the sense that We've played kind of a murderer's row um, the first couple of weeks of the season in the past. We do have Oregon State again this year, which is, I think, a preseason top five team, I think number two at least in one poll um, in two games. But then it's Utah, Washington State, UC Riverside. We uh, play uh, a series at Wichita State. Th- those are all winnable games. We should not start 3-7 and seven this year. It just, I mean, that should not be the way it happens. Uh, we need to have a stronger start. Unfortunately, uh, that also means that we may not have the, as strong of an RPI as we've had in the past because we're not going to have that strength of schedule because we didn't play Arizona or, or whatnot to, to build up that uh, uh, RPI even if we lost those games. Mm-hmm. So having a strong Big Ten conference showing is going to be important. And... We do have a lot of the home games, so that's great. Again, RPI-wise, we might not be in great shape this year, but uh, we could rack up a lot of wins. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit different of a, of a feel to the season. And you're right, we should feel like uh, they are defending Big Ten champs. I think sometimes how we finish those these seasons under Erstad, where we just have not looked good in the NCAA tournament, leaves you with a bitter taste in your mouth until you start seeing them play again, and then you start liking them again, and then you're hoping you're just not going to get disappointed in the tournament uh, yet again uh, if we make it. Hey, Boomer, do you happen to have a chance? Can you look up, like, what, how, what Indiana or Maryland plays in non-conference? You know, there's some poti- – uh, Yeah, I can find out here. I mean, are there some yeah. – oppor- uh, I guess yeah. the question is, are there some opportunities for teams like that that we know are going to be coming here and playing a series 
in Lincoln later in the year, is there opportunities for those kind of teams to maybe get a big win or two that can benefit? You know, the Big Ten just needs a uh, it needs an ego boost Indiana, a little bit. Indiana, in particular, does a good job of non-conference. Uh, yeah, because Indiana are, opens up at the uh, Britain Resorts Baseball at the Beach series in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, because of course they do, <laughs> uh, where they play Oklahoma, K-State, and South Alabama, and Coastal Carolina, so they've got a nice oh, little okay. slate of, you know, traditional mm-hmm. teams, and the Snowbird Baseball Classic in Florida with Rutgers, <laughs> Boston College, and Chicago State, then they travel out to San Diego, or San Diego, <laughs> or however the Germans pronounce it, I don't know. <laughs> And then they just kind of settle into the typical, you know, early season games of Pacific, Western Illinois, Northern Illinois, Wright State, things like that, before they hit the Big Ten schedule. And they, they sprinkle in have... Butler and Indiana State, Notre Dame, Ball State. Do they play like Louisville there as well? They typically do. A... Yes, they do. They do have a game versus Louisville, so just one. Yep. But yeah. They they in the past have also gotten Kentucky on that schedule uh, because of the proximity. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I don't see them getting Kentucky this Not year, this so year. I don't see them on there. No. But uh, that, that's one. Oh of the no, there is a one, a single game versus Kentucky wedge between go. Minnesota and us. So there is one. Yeah, yep. I take that back. So, and so I mean, we'd benefit. Our, I mean, this is a bit of a tangent, but Nebraska would benefit so much if Wichita State, for example, got good again. Yes. Right. Yes. Absolutely. K State, who was good maybe five, seven years ago in a top twenty-five program, was good again. Because or even they'd say it if those, Creighton was good again, you know, or yeah. you know, puts a little run together. Yeah. Those midweek I, games yeah. uh, would suddenly have a lot, lot of value, and we're just missing on that. Mm-hmm. And there, there's, you know, Creighton and Wichita State and K State actually have uh, fan bases that they they care not maybe not quite as much as Nebraska, but um, there's a little hotbed here. Because of um, you know the the College World Series and the interest in college baseball in general, just a little bit higher in this pocket of the Midwest, and uh, we need those teams to get get back to being good, and that would help us, you know. Um, all right, you know, I think that actually re- reminds me of a, an article I, I was just reading on uh, D1 Baseball on their preseason um, preview, talking about how. The College World Series or the the NCA is looking to have stronger relationships with Major League Baseball, and how they might be considering staging some things in Omaha to to bring things closer together. Um, one idea out there was to have the Major League Draft in Omaha, probably right before the College World Series. I think that's an intriguing idea. Uh, even as intriguing as maybe at the same time. Um, they could have a Major League Baseball game at TD Ameritrade. Um, and that's they've already done this with the Little League World Series. Last year, the Pirates and the Cardinals played at in, in uh, Williamsport for the Little League World Series. You could imagine the Royals or the Cubs or the Twins or somebody hosting somebody in Omaha. Um, that could be pretty a pretty awesome event. Uh, any Any thoughts on that, guys? Oh, I think that'd be something that'd be great just, you know, but for both ends of the spectrum, both for Major League Baseball and for, for college baseball, uh, you know, especially for college, because that's one of the most frustrating things about college baseball is it's really not covered particularly well by major sport outlets. I mean, True. it's hard to find good statistics or good numbers or even scores half the time on you know, even ESPN. It's just hard to get any sort of... There's specific uh, baseball yeah. websites, and if you don't go to yeah, those, if you don't go to those, you're not going to find anything, and it might be yep. days till they update anything. Even the Big Ten, you know, web page sometimes doesn't update stuff for a week because they yeah. put the second intern who's, you know, passed out from you know too much schlitz <laughs> or something, you know, that, in charge of that. 
and you know, just having some major league uh, push on their little cachet to it, I think would really kick things up. And I think it would be great for major league baseball. You kind of have that college tie-in. You know, major league baseball. If you look at numbers, they kind of have been hurting in the national interest compared to other sports. You know, they're really not America's favorite pastime anymore. They're clearly well behind. You know football and soccer and i think they would benefit from a kind of a better relationship with the colleges and with uh, you know the average fan making something like this more accessible more interesting you know it works with little league why wouldn't it work with this i mean could you imagine like a you know you play a game in td ameritrade you just put the cubs and royals in there for one of the you oh, know interleague games i mean my goodness yeah. that that would they'd sell that out and there'd be a there'd be a line out the door for that that would be outstanding have something like that there it'd be easy to televise be It'd be TV. fun. Yeah, I mean, because that's the thing people forget. Sports should be fun. Let's find ways to make it so. Let's find make you know yeah, you find could, ways to make it accessible you could do to everybody. That, that baseball game the same night as the major league draft, right? And oh, have God, something yeah. going back I mean, and forth or whatever. That. That'd be outstanding. Well, and yeah. and I'm not as big of a baseball guy obviously as you guys are, but but um, there is probably within all of the the, the major league sports and, and the college sport equivalent that is probably the most distant relationship is baseball. You know, I mean, football, college, and pro football. I mean, they, they you know, they go hand in hand. Yes, the players, absolutely. but but definitely, college baseball just seems to be so remote from from pros. And 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 to to tie some of that together, and what better place than Omaha? I mean, that is, it is the road to Omaha. It would make so much sense to have that kind of that that kind of connection. Could you see I mean, at the pro level? Could you get a rivalry game like you know Cubs and Cardinals? Would they be willing to play a game like that at a at a, a side, yeah, you're probably going to have to, or would have to be compensate the the major league team. I, I think it'd be worth looking into how they got um, the Pittsburgh Pirates to give up a home game mm-hmm. essentially and play at the Little League World Series. Well, I'm not sure the Pirates asking. owners care that much about their team. <laughs> so yeah, as long as there's money involved, I don't think they care. Well, yeah. Dave, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, sorry, I'm so pretty sure Dave. You have to make sure that everybody feels whole. I'm pretty sure you know? Dave would would be coming to to Omaha for for a Cardinals Cubs game, wouldn't you? Yes. I would absolutely go there. I'm a big Cardinals fan. That'd be amazing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, there's huge revenue at at, at stake there for some of those home games. Um, you know, where you're averaging thirty five, forty thousand fans uh, for for the Cubbies or Cardinals, and to just pull one of those out, you know. It, but I'm sure that, that that can be worked out. I mean, it's possible. I mean, I, I think there's uh, some real opportunities. Major League Baseball at times have been in competition versus college baseball in many ways for players you know because it's either you're going to go to the minor league you know get drafted and go to the minor leagues or actually go to the college uh and and play baseball for at least three years and uh so they're still in competition in some ways but i think major league baseball also sees the benefits of um having kids go to college and they're essentially getting a lot of that development um free of charge for for the major leagues and it is better coaching now at the college level than they ever had before an intriguing thing I've heard is Major League Baseball potentially trying to assist in the funding of scholarships at the at the college level. Only 11.7 scholarships are allowed in D1 baseball, which is ridiculous, and yep. so they split those. So, I mean, a lot of these kids who choose to play college baseball opposed to even taking a small minor league contractor, clearly taking a, a financial risk to do so. Mm-hmm. And so if Major League Baseball could sponsor a few extra scholarships there's lots of ncaa issues on this obviously it would it would change the game for for college it would be huge because that is one of the 
not only are you getting a education, obviously, by coming and playing college baseball, but, you know, compare this to 20 and 25 years ago, you know, playing in the minor leagues and playing up in Butte, Montana, uh, that probably wasn't a whole heck of a lot different than playing at Buck Belzer in, in Nebraska, right? But, right. but college sure. baseball sure. over the last 20 years, and Omaha has been a central point of this, I think, that the, the, the expansion of college baseball kind of nationally, you're seeing facilities and better coaching and – and it's a little bit more glamorous of a lifestyle for the for the next four years coming out of high school. If you can, if you can play college ball and you get to go to school and you get a you get to fly a plane to to go and play at at Maryland instead of having to take a bus to go between you know Billings. Yeah, minor league baseball is not yeah. glamorous. and That's so the, the truth. But but we don't give you full scholarships, you know, and. That's a problem. If if that can no longer if that can cease to be the problem, and and there's a lot that goes into that. I mean, my gosh, we're talking, you know, a day after U and K, and I know that's Division Two, but U and K is even talking about dropping baseball because of financial things. Right. But you know, if the if minor league baseball could step in and, and be able to to help fund some of that, I think it would just be huge. It seems so ridiculous that this sport is getting bigger and bigger now. And we're getting nicer facilities, and yet we're still stuck at this eleven point seven number. I just, I don't know how you, how do you feel the team? Yeah, I'm sure there's Title Nine implications. Title Nine, whole nine yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a red risk. One and, sadly, scal- and sadly, hockey, uh, Butte, Montana lost their minor league team back in two thousand. So, ah. uh, uh, Butte Copper Kings. So the Copper Kings. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, I thought that was Bemidji State. I think, they moved, I think they moved to Grand Junction, actually, Dave. You'll have to check that out since you're in the Colorado area. But yeah, I, Grand Junction has a team. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the old Butte team. I think yeah, is yeah. Grand it's Junction. It's the Rockies now. affiliation. Yes, uh, that sounds correct. I thought yeah. Bemidji so, State was yeah, the yeah, uh, Copper Kings. What, what's Bemidji State, Boomer? <laughs> uh, they're actually oh. the Beavers. Oh. They're the Bemidji <laughs> State <laughs> Beavers. <laughs> <laughs> a lovely alliteration. I'm glad you know that. Really went out of their way. Are you sh- are you serious? Is that really it? Yeah. How do you just know Bemidji State Beavers? How do you know Bemidji State off the top of the head like that? I, I, I have a lot of hobbies. Let's just say that. And don't tell me everybody knows that. (laughs) It's common sense. I could name a fair amount of mascots. Uh, It was on the ACT. Don't you remember? I mean, come on. No, I don't. They actually have a very good hockey program there. (laughs) They do. What state Um, is Bemidji in? Is that Michigan or? Minnesota. 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 Oh, oh yeah. duh. I should have known that. And Bemidji, Minnesota. Not Bemidji yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. And every Creighton fan should. On the shore. On every the, Creighton fan On the shore is a beautiful Lake Bemidji. So, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Minnesota, I want to wrap yeah. up the baseball thing here and we'll get out of this show. Is for Big Ten scheduling, a, a thing that I had, I, maybe someone else came up with this, so I don't want to say that was my original thought, but I think it's a, a, a potential good one, is that the new uh, Minnesota Dome there where they just played the Super, Super Bowl uh, can be uh, configured to play baseball. And I, it feels like you could potentially do a kind of a preseason Big Ten-type tournament thing where it's just a little round robin, but uh, you could have some Big Ten teams up there, and you could invite the you know TCUs and Oregon States and Florida to go play in a, a really cool environment there in a dome stadium and get some a lot of quick games in potentially. I think that uh, Minnesota used to do that or in the uh, – um, uh, Metro Dome, where they would host uh, some tournaments up there. I think you could kind of re envision that uh, with a Big Ten flair and actually get something out. Well, of it. and if thought. they promote yeah, it any any way like uh, Target Field did, we can expect two to three thousand people there for the whole tournament. But no, <laughs> <laughs> I, I get your point though, Dave. I think it would be a cool thing. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I bet Nebraska fans would go up there and watch I'm it. Sure, they would. Uh, right. 
Uh, all right, guys. Uh, anything else on uh, Nebraska baseball? I'm looking forward to the season. Excellent. Let's take this out with some parting shots. Honky, what do you got for me? Well, uh, I, I mentioned Creighton basketball earlier, playing the Bemidji State Beavers. And if one thing I've learned about uh, tweeting about Creighton, and I did that uh, towards the end of the Rutgers game on Saturday, is uh, apparently don't. Because the second you tweet Creighton, we had about <laughs> 50 people immediately responding about how dare you and you know, you're know you a Husker podcast and all that. And So, holy smokes. I was just trying to say, hey, they, they were – yeah, I, I still think it's probably a good thing for us if they win, but that's that you know they beat us. But beyond the point, <laughs> don't dare beyond you. the point, we don't like Creighton. I I, I get it. Um, I did want to say uh, just a follow up to our basketball talk: men's basketball twenty and eight, eleven and four. We're number four in the conference. Women's basketball eighteen and seven, nine and three in conference. They're number three. So we are. Uh, we are. I'll tell you what, man. Bill Moose, right now, this guy, he the the, the magic touch. Football's on. Football's going great. Basketball, we've got, you know, we have two teams in the top four of the conference. Baseball, I'm sure that schedule, that home schedule that was made years ago, but I'm still going to give him credit. He's the reason that we have Indiana and Maryland coming here. Good times ahead for Huskers. (laughs) All right, all right. And Boomer, uh, how do you want to Well, I I just kind of wanted to apologize to the Redcasters. We weren't able to... uh, to, to discuss and get hockey's good breakdown on John Hopkins lacrosse like we'd promised earlier in the week uh, since he's <laughs> yes. an associate Big Ten member. Uh, we'll they try are. to pencil that in for next week. So all of you lacrosse fans, well, uh, just just hang tight. We'll yeah, get to break down some. We're tape. gonna have so much more content in future years when we start playing lacrosse in men's and women's hockey. Right? Oh, so, it's gonna be outstanding. I mean, yeah, this yeah. will be a two-hour yeah. show. <laughs> so you got that to look forward to, Redcasters. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We have to do two shows a week all of a sudden. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, great talking to you. Good, good Husker talk all around. Uh, let's call that a go big Redcast.